Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. This is your host, Paul Arnold. I'm joined by Ernest Watson. Folks, if you listen to this podcast a lot, Pardon the Confusion, we are the two grumpy old men. The guys that used to be up in the Muppet Show balcony. Oh, wait a second. You're probably too young to remember that. Ernest, explain the two grumpy men in Muppets. Let me see. There was Waldorf. And what was the other one, guys? These were the, uh, they were pretty much the sideshow. They would sit there and make comments. They would crack on the regular performers. It was kind of like Mystery Science 3000, where the guys <laughs> would crack on the these old moldy TV movies and these TV shows. And we kind of served the same purpose. The Peanuts Gallery is an older version of what this was called back in the 40s and 50s. So our kids would call this being snarky, being smart-assed. What would they call this? Ooh, I just swore. Uh, uh, I would guess we would be trolls, wouldn't we? Is yes, that the term exactly. They use? We're trolls. Yeah, they, we look like them. We just don't live under bridges. So. Yeah, it was just funny because this TV show had the you know Muppets. First of all, you had to buy into these Muppets, and then it was funny. And then the two old Muppets were making fun of the whole show. You know, I like that kind of humor, sort of making fun of yourself as you go along. And we're pretty good about that, aren't we, Ernest? It's, I like self-referential humor. It's kind of like I was playing Madden the other day, uh-huh. and I was running up the score, and they were actually saying, the announcers on the Madden game were saying, well, good thing this is a video game, because in real life, someone would get killed for doing this, <laughs> for running up the score. And I thought, wow, this is neat. They can actually make self-referential humor in a video game. Break the fourth wall is what it's called. So I thought that was neat. That you can break that fourth wall, I appreciate that type of humor. And speaking of Madden, uh, I know that in our group of texting, the, the guys were commenting on the guy who won the Madden contest and won $50,000 decided to do a unique strategy. He just picked or drafted all the best offensive line and the best defense he could and then used a punter to run the ball, not even pass the ball even once, and he won the whole thing. And I think, wow, what's fun about Madden is passing, but this guy knew what it took to win. Do you think Madden will change the dynamics of their software so this can't happen again? You do know the guy's name, don't you? Woody Hayes the third. No, really? <laughs> no. Three, uh, three yards in a okay. cloud of dust. Oh, yes. Remember what right. it, yeah, Woody Hayes used to say three things went wrong on a pass. <laughs> Only three things can happen on a pass. Incomplete, completed, or intercepted. And, you know, he did have a punter play quarterback, Tom Tupa, for a long time. So it does sound like a very Ohio State type thing. I've done it when I've played Madden. I've run the ball. If you've got a good runner and a good offensive line, you can dominate. Well, somebody Madden. like Mike Vick, I remember my son would play Madden against me, and he'd intentionally get Mike Vick, and he'd always roll him out, and and it would really – I would I had to find the right defense to finally shut him down, but he would run up some score. Usually people are not patient enough to keep running and running and running. That shows the generational differences because I would use Steve Young. Pretty much the same purpose. Still a left-handed running quarterback. It's the same idea. David was just 10 years behind what I was doing. Yeah. Well, the next left-handed quarterback is Tua for the Dolphins. And, you know, if he starts to run and gets, you know, hit really hard, I think it'll be a very short career. So I don't know if he'll be around that long. It's. I think that's the idea of the mobile quarterback and run and pass is what – Green Bay, LaFleur is trying to do with Jordan Love. It just has not been received too well by Aaron <laughs> Rodgers in that respect. Yes, yes. 
Yes, and so you're listening to the Wild World of Sports here. We're just going wherever our talking goes to. and um, But this is Memorial Day, the day we're recording this podcast. And it's the day we honor those men and women who gave their lives in service in military conflict. Veterans Day is we recognize and honor those veterans who are still living and serving, and that's important as well. But this is the day that I'm re- I remember going to Washington, D.C., and just being amazed um, when we went to the tomb of an unknown soldier and then looking out at all the white uh, tombstones in Arlington and just the magnitude of all that service and what it's taken over the years to keep our country free. And both our dads served in the military, my dad in the Navy during the Korean War, and your dad served in the Army, right? Army Air Force, which eventually became the Air Force, my grandfather served in the Army during World War One. My great-grandfather served in the Spanish-American War. And my great-great-grandfather served in the Civil War on the losing side, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So there's a long—and my brother served uh, in Vietnam. So there's a long list of history, and I had four uncles in World War Two. Right. I think we forget how important it is for the service. And these days, you know, most kids that uh, listen, to what my son's age, I'll just put it that way, their point of reference for a veteran is someone who served in Afghanistan or the Middle East conflicts or the Iraqi war, whatever you want to call it. And that's those were different type of wars. Um, but Vietnam was similar. You know, how can you win a, a war like that? And um, But regardless, the men and women on the front lines who gave their lives and then the families who really lost out on years and years of experiences with their loved ones. So I think that's a love of country that we still need to have today. Ernest, where do you see that type of love of country uh, where you live? Uh you know, everybody does the, the easy stuff. They put out the flags and, and they put out the ribbons. But to actually to commit yourself to a period of time in serving and endanger yourself and separate yourself from the family takes, takes a rare type of thing. And that we don't see uh, that much. I mean, you know, you even look at, historically speaking, so many athletes, World War One went in automatically. But then again, the pay for military was kind of equal to making in professional sports. World War II, it's a lot of guys, but, you know, a large percentage of them that that voluntarily went in, weren't drafted, did Mm -hmm. sign up, did work over in the States to endanger themselves. And as it progresses and pay for professional sports has gone up, you've seen fewer and fewer athletes, you know, that have actually – uh, committed to walking away t- from millions of dollars right. to endanger themselves and endanger their lives. They have that type of commitment. Outside of those who obviously served, uh, went to college in, in the Air Force Academy and the Naval Academy in West Point, those guys had commitments at least five years, but that law has been changed. But they had commitments to, to serve once they got out. Right. In this day and age, I know that military has gotten more and more dependent on technology, you know, drones, uh, infrared, things like that. And I used to think as a kid before all this technology, and yes, I'm that old, which sports athlete would be the best 
soldier you'd want to take? If you had to take a, like a team of 12 guys, would you want football players? Would you want baseball players? Would you want basketball players? And I always landed on the football players just because they seemed tougher. Um, maybe boxers. I don't know. How would you answer that question? Well, it's, it's you know, basketball players you pretty much got to eliminate because there's size restriction, particularly on naval boats and air force you, you just can't fly certain mil- i mean the 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 suits and the cockpits are so small submarines what about david robinson when he played he, but he, he started he, out shorter and then he grew oh yeah crazy. yeah he went in the navy it was six seven shot up in height and he was a small forward in high school no one recruited him. i think george madison george mason was the only one that, that recruited him and he served at a uh, submarine base at Kings Bay in Georgia, just north of Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. But he was a logistics officer. He didn't actually, he could not have fit in a submarine itself. <laughs> no. So a, a lot of basketball players would be difficult. I mean, there's only one that I know of that actually served of recent history. It's Tim James. Tim James went to Miami, played for the Heat, played for the Hornets in the early 2000s. And after he played, he joined the Army and served as an Army Ranger in Iraq and did one tour of duty. And, and financially, he didn't have to do that. He just was very, very patriotic. And when he came back, he really uh, – I know Don, Dan Lebitard wanted to do an article for him in the Miami paper. And he said, no, I don't want any publicity about this. I did this for personal reasons. Now, he is a um, – He's a basketball coach for a community college here in North Carolina now. Mm. But people like him, I mean, it's, it's, and of course, everybody knows about Pat Tillman. Pat Tillman basically walked away from a million dollar contract. And the history of military service was so strong uh, in his family that he served and actually did two tours. Well, you have to realize uh, maybe some people. I'm guessing some people don't know all of Pat Tillman's story, and you're going to get to most of it. But it was right after 9-11, the terrible World Trade Center bombings and the Pentagon's bombing. And, you know, there was a real sense of patriotism. And Pat Tillman, I think, basically said, what am I doing playing football when my country needs me, right? Right, right. And he served as an Army Ranger and uh, did two tours and had offers, like I said, million-dollar contract from what was then – the Phoenix Cardinals to, mm-hmm. to play in the NFL. He was a defensive back, played at Arizona State. Nate, that's for you, Nate, if you're listening, okay? And there's a statue at the, the present stadium that they have now. But uh, the big problem with him was the message got convoluted because he was served a Purple Heart. Then it found out he, he died of a friendly fire. And a lot of people feel like, and you can judge for yourself, that a lot of people used his story for propaganda. And their family members have, have talked about this, that, you know, you're dishonoring his his history and the reasons why he served to make him a symbol rather than a man who faced something, uh, a decision where he made what financially was not the right decision, but morally he felt like was the correct thing to do. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was, I remember that whole experience. Actually, I was living in North Carolina and I was visiting a church member in 
the hospital in Charlotte, and I was in her room talking to her, and she had uh, Good Morning America on TV, and I look up, and they said, oh, a plane has hit the World Trade Tower. So we're like, wow, that was really, that person really made a bad mistake. And all of a sudden, we saw the second one go in, and all of a sudden, everything changed. And I prayed for the lady, and I left the hospital, and I drove home. It was so surreal. Everything changed. All the flights were grounded. And some people say, you know, what we've gone through with the COVID-19 thing is very similar to that, where everything shuts down for a while until you can figure out how do you proceed. And um, But going back to Pat Tillman, I, I hear what you're saying about the Army maybe overextending themselves for promotion purposes, but I don't think it's tarnished his Reputation. Oh, no, it's not tarnished his. It's just left, I think, a bad taste in some people's mouths. You've, I think they've, a lot of people feel like they've marginalized his sacrifice. Mm. And I, I can see that to a certain extent. I can understand that because, you, you know, again, and, and it, you know, if you, if you play Madden, the first thing they do offer you for your all-Madden team is they give you Pat Tillman free to be in your all-Madden team. And I thought, well, he was a good player. But I think, you know, we're using him. I mean, again, it leaves a little bit of my bad taste. We, we tend to forget where these individuals have made sacrifices, that they're individuals. And if we were in that same experience, how scared and how frightened, how did everything go through? And I, I think, you know, as someone who had a family member die mm-hmm. in a world war, uh, we, we tend to forget the life afterwards. So getting back. Go, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. So, so getting back to the initial question, you were ruling out the basketball players, and I was telling you that I any every the best sport that relates to somebody you'd want to go to, in battle with would be NFL football. Do you agree with that? There would be some, but there's some size restrictions. I guess the most famous football player of recent history was Chad Hennings, and he was a graduate of Air Force Academy. He played defensive line for the uh, Dallas Cowboys for about four years after he served his five-year commitment. He re-enlisted, and he flew uh, uh, attack missions over Iraq and then did humanitarian flights over Afghanistan. But he flew flew a big, I think he flew a a C-141, C-5s, large transport planes in Afghanistan. Again, he wasn't a small guy. Baseball players... Physically, would be that way, but but without a draft, you know, you're talking about guys voluntarily joining. Uh, in my, I remember as my childhood, a lot of major league baseball players would join the reserves in lieu of being drafted because then they had a little bit of control over when they served, even though they weren't paid that much in the '60s and '70s. Mm-hmm. I had school teachers that were in the reserve. Now I, I had a draft card. And I was the last year of the draft was my eligibility. I still have my draft card somewhere. And I had like, I was going to college at the time and I had teachers tell me, get a college deferment. And I said, no, I mean, they call me, they call me. I mean, at that time uh, I had, you know, I had family history, all these individuals, I, I couldn't take a deferment. And I think sometimes a deferment kind of makes you a target for afterwards. And, um, I, you know, they did the, the draft lottery and my number was pretty low. So I think the draft eliminated a lot of military guys, particularly now when your average salary for a baseball player 
is uh, three quarters of a million dollars a year, you're not going to see them do the things that we saw the sacrifice of earlier guys. I mean, uh, Tom Landry flew bomber missions uh, while he was an NFL player. He walked away from the New York Giants and he flew, I think, 30 missions over Europe on B-17s. Mm. Tom uh, I mean, Landry, guys, the old Cowboys coach. Uh, Cowboy coach. I mean, uh, Warren Spawn got a uh, Purple Heart and a Silver Star for fighting at the Battle of the Bulge, which was a battle in uh, eastern Germany, western Germany and, and western France, which was the turning point of the war in Europe. Yogi Berra was a munitions aide on the ships that were bombing the coast during D-Day. So a lot of guys, and Ted Williams. Ted Williams was an instructor in Chapel Hill for World War II, but in Korean War, and he served in two wars, he flew 36 missions as a wingman for, for John Glenn. This is a guy without a high school education who became a fighter pilot in the Korean War. So guys were drafted, guys volunteer. Hank Greenberg, let's talk about somebody from your backyard. Hank Greenberg volunteered before Pearl Harbor in 1941, and they 4A him because of flat feet. He goes back and says, I'm serving. And I realize uh, Hank Greenberg was the Jewish faith, and he knew what was happening to the, the, the Jews being exterminated in Nazi Germany at that time. And he re-entered uh, before he had them change his 4A, 4-H status, 4A status, excuse me. And he went in before Pearl Harbor. And then when he was 28, I think at 43 or 44, and they said you were too old, he re-upped again and did two tours. So stop there for a second because I'm always thinking, like, when we're talking, we get it because we're over 50, over 55. Let's just stop there. Um, but, you know, my son, if he was in the room, he may not know about 4A status. I mean, over the years, doctors have to clear you to get into the military. And famously, George W. Bush didn't make it. He served in reserves. And then our current president had bad ankle or something. You know, people have used excuses sometimes medically. But during World War II, there was people who pretended to be older than they really were. Uh, they lied about their age. They tried to hide their injuries. Um, we're not. Know. We're not going to talk about Klinger here from that. <laughs> no, no, that's not real. You know, Ernest, that was. A oh, TV guys show. claimed that. Guys did claim that was four uh, uh, F status. They would claim they had uh, other persuasions, so to yeah, speak. Yeah, they were crazy in their own way. Yeah. 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 But um, but I, you know, I love the stories of guys saying, you know what. Doctor, even though you think this will slow me down, I don't think it will. And my dedication to our country and to do my part, you know, that to serve is so strong that I'm going to, you know, make sure I can get by. Instead of trying to get out of it, they were trying to get in, which is a huge shift to what we got today. Um, one of the players I texted you about that I wanted to talk about was one of my heroes growing up because Rocky Blyer was a fullback for the Pittsburgh Steelers and uh, sort of a light fullback, but he was also sort of a halfback. I, I, we got to do this for Nate. Where did he go to college at? He went to Notre Dame. And okay, Nate, that was for you. Go ahead, Paul. <laughs> Boy, you've given two shout outs for Nate so far one I for know, Arizona I State know. and one for. 
Um, but Rocky Blair, just that name, you think, oh, when I first saw him, he's a shorter guy, only five foot eleven to play that position, only two hundred ten pounds. Uh, served in the military of Vietnam, came back and played for the Steelers and the championship teams, four-time Super Bowl champion, and even won a national championship at Notre Dame. But what we didn't realize then was he served in Vietnam, and maybe I heard about it a little bit, but he was shot up. He was injured yeah. quite a bit. And one of the coolest stories I just learned by doing a little research is that he was recovering in a military hospital after being shot up in his legs. And Steelers owner Art Rooney, the senior, not junior, um, sent him a postcard and simply read, Rock, the team is not doing well. We need you. Now, uh, Blyer later said, when you have someone take time and interest to send you a postcard, and they didn't have to, you have a special heart place in your heart for them. So he came back so motivated. And I think that was the time and age when owners and people did things like that. You know what I'm saying? They went out of their way to say, hey, we need you, you know, to inspire them to keep going. Um, so I always loved watching him because he seemed like he overachieved. He said later in some of his um, books and things that he suffered a lot that he didn't tell people about. He needed help, um, and you know, with all the trauma to his head and things he went through. Um, but to me, he's one of those heroes that was in the war and um, in the NHL. I mean, a winner if you look at any type of statistics. Did you ever see his movie? I saw a little bit of it, and I couldn't because it just seemed like such a disappointment to see the guy who played uh, Spencer on TV. Robert York. <laughs> playing, because he just, Robert Spencer, I think, was too tall to play him, first of all. And he was too good looking, I think, to play him, too. I think it just, they were trying to be like the Brian Piccolo uh, story, and they went, too far, I thought. Now, let me throw some names at you. You may not realize served in the military with, with some Remember Al Bunbury? Yeah. For the Orioles? Al, Al Bunbury was, uh, won a bronze star. He actually was a platoon leader in Vietnam and served three years before he came over. That's, that's one reason why he didn't last that long with the Bray, with the Orioles, excuse me was his age, because he was 27 before he came up. Mm. Uh, Whitey Ford served in not only the Army in Korea, actually was over in Korea at that time. Gil Hodges got a bronze star in uh, Combat Ribbon. He actually, you know, a lot of people remember him, the manager of the Mets, 69, but of course he was first baseman for the Dodgers in that respect. So there's a lot of guys. Ken Norton was in Vietnam. There's a lot of guys you don't realize because they didn't brag. I mean, that wasn't part of their life to talk about what they were able to do and what they were accomplished. My dad's hero was Eno's Country Slaughter, who, because he was in North Carolina and because people in the South embraced the Cardinals because the Cardinals were the Southern the team. The baseball team, folks. Yeah, yeah, the, the St. Louis Cardinal baseball team. That was, you know, was my dad's favorite team, still is, because that was the, you know, the radio station was Clear Channel. People picked it up. and He was a local guy, and he, he was in the Army Air Corps about the same time as my dad. So that's why he, he picked up onto him. Hall, the fullback for the Seattle and, and for the Titans, he was a Marine in Iraq. So there's a lot, you don't see a lot of people that really brag about, I mean, that's one thing about these guys. They didn't talk about how they served or when they served. Remember Ed Frigarola, who pitched for the Yankees mm -hmm. in the 70s? 
Ed Figueroa actually did a tour in Vietnam. He did three years, and he was a platoon leader also. So I think that's that's one thing. Nowadays, if a guy served, you'd know all about it. I mean, with the with social media and with the development of media, but a lot of guys, famous guys that we know about, stars in the past, just don't get the publicity. Now, I got to throw an old school one into you because this is one I read about as a childhood. Christy Matheson. Actually, <laughs> now, wait, wait, wait. How old is that now? Just to... This is World War One. Okay. okay. Christy, Christy Matheson was the first pitcher to win three games of the World Series. And he was the first college graduate to play professional baseball. He was a gentleman. There was a series of books, uh, something Armstrong, the All-American Boy, that was based on uh, Matheson. And he was the first guy, not the first guy to throw a slider, but the first one to use it repeatedly. And they called it a fadeaway back then. They didn't call it a slider. So he was MVP. He was good-looking. He was Bra- He was the Tom Brady of the first 10 years of Did the Did he marry 19- a gazelle? No, they didn't have a gazelle back then. But he, <laughs> he walked off the field to serve in the um, gas detection, World War One. They used mustard gas back then. And if you were exposed to it, it would lead to emphysema and tuberculosis. And within six months of him returning, at the top of his athletic career, he died of TB because of exposure to um, mustard gas by the Germans during World War One. But he was the first true kind of a sports star to sacrifice. Bob mm-hmm. Klasu, who played for Buffalo one year for the Bills, he died in Vietnam. There was a great article in Sports Illustrated about 10 years ago about that. He was an offensive lineman from Notre Dame and, and he was in the reserves, Marine reserves, and he was called into Vietnam and actually died at Quezon. So again, the history of sports and military services intertwined, but we just don't see it as much now. And a lot of it has to do with the salaries guys are paid. And it's interesting when you look at the average age of those in the military gets progressively younger and younger and younger, even with the new technology was advanced, but, but you know, you have a history of service in your family. I have a history of service in my family and it never was a question. My dad actually lied about his age to join the army. He was 15 and lied about his age that he was 16 mm-hmm. when he joined because it was the middle of a war well, and his four brothers were over there and it, it, yeah. it wasn't a thought. You just automatically, you defended this way of life. Mm-hmm. I think the hero type that, your dad grew up and my dad grew up is so different than what our kids grow up. Um, they grew up with, you know, the strong, silent type heroes, the guys that would, you know, like the uh, Gary Cooper, tall, quiet hero that did what he needed to take. And if you haven't seen Sergeant York, it's an old, old movie. It's an amazing movie about mil- military heroics of a based on a true story. Audie uh, Murphy. Audie Murphy was a wartime hero. Uh, he he uh, survived and got a Purple Heart, and they made a Hollywood star out of him right. and a cowboy star afterwards. But the point, I guess, what I was trying to go for is that back in the day when your dad was young and my dad was young, guys that you looked up to were strong, athletic, but they would also serve for a greater purpose. They would do their part. They felt responsible, and they didn't brag, right? <laughs> Compared no, to now— no. 
Now well, so different Ted, than that. Ted Williams. I, I but Ted was bragged. the unusual guy. I mean, he was the oddity compared to these other guys. Well, Joe DiMaggio wasn't the modest person in the world. I think because of the immediacy of uh, the way that you can, with social media and with news stations, and, you know, we used news used to be 30 minutes from 6.30 to 7 o'clock. Now news is 24-7, and the accessibility of guys. And because of the high income they make, there, there's the interest in there. I think there's, I think, you know, Babe Ruth was not modest. Ted Williams was not modest. Joe DiMaggio was not modest. Yogi might have been modest, but you wouldn't have understood what Yogi was saying. I think guys were just as confident. I don't think they used the media to express that confidence. And I think a lot of confidence that's expressed today is a marketing mechanism more than anything else mm. cynicism raises its That's ugly head yeah i'm sorry old man you know <laughs> yeah i didn't mean to play the old man card no That's, no but it's, it's, it's i do think you know there's nothing new under the sun and given the opportunities what you're saying that we have now to those athletes they probably would reveal their own egos as well is that what you're saying yeah i, I think they were just as that when you read about those particular athletes nowadays, you find out they were just as confident. They just didn't boast. They didn't have an audience to boast to in that respect. I mean, a lot of people try to make out that Muhammad Ali and Joe Namath were the first of those arrogant type, and they really weren't. The other guys were. You just, for one thing, the the media was in partnership, and they rode on planes paid by the teams, and the teams kind of told them what they could report. So, you know, Mickey Mantle was out with other women every night, drinking every night, showed up for games, uh, hungover, and you never heard anything about that. Babe Ruth was hungover. Babe Ruth missed an exhibition game because he ate 14 hot dogs. I mean, these things went on, but the media and the, the professional teams were in bed together. That, that didn't get out at that time. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, so we we've covered some of the athletes that have served our country as well. So we hope that you took some time out today or when you ever listen to this that you even take out some time to thank those who have served in the military and uh, maybe even thank the survivors who lost people in the military for um supporting our country in the way they did. So hopefully you did more than just play Call of Duty, Call of Duty on your video game, okay? <laughs> Hopefully that wasn't your idea no. of service to the military. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, this week, once again, getting into sports, sports is slowly rolling out, and I can't bring myself to talk about German soccer or Korean Border baseball League. quite yet. KBO! Uh, but I do want to talk about the golf foursome that was played on Sunday with Tiger, Phil, uh, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning. And as usual, it can't be totally predicted how these four would play and Ernest watched the whole thing. I watched a little bit of it. Um, I watched enough of the highlights to see that Tom Brady, once again, all he needs is a moment to do something that you'll remember. I think what Tom Brady did, if you didn't hear about or see that he holed in a shot from like a hundred yards. Uh, and while he was doing it, he ripped his pants and then he talked smack back to Charles Barkley. So to me, even though he played poorly, most of the round that, meant he was still worth watching. Ernest, you watched the whole thing. Was it that riveting or was there nothing else on? 
nothing else on, uh, really, truly. Uh, I actually, proficiency, the, the foursome of the week before was, to me, more entertaining. It was just, you know, you sell three very personable guys who didn't mind talking to the camera. You know, Phil Phil's just, uh, Phil has a personality. You may not like some aspects of, of him, but, I mean, he was just very entertaining and very instructful. You know, to Daily Duffers, he, he gave out some good information. And, I, I, you know, I can see why all the TV networks are offering Fort Knox to get uh, Peyton to do commentary. <laughs> I mean, he's just naturally funny. He's very effusive. He's very likable. You can't help but walk away like the guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Truth in Advertising, him and Tiger had played together on that course quite a bit to prepare for it. Even in the you know after he started playing better, you know uh, Tom got Brady got a little bit you got a little more of his personality, more trash talking. I mean Tiger's Tiger. I mean he's it just he doesn't have to have a personality. But good lord, that guy can play golf. I think he hit every fairway. I mean he's just it's just. He's the best ever age. golfer, you know. I mean, just yeah. I mean, you know, people can talk. You know, a jack has more majors. Tiger's the best. I mean, it's just it. Even at this age, I mean, it's just. But he does it so quietly, and he has no personality. I mean, that's just I hate to say it, but <laughs> but you know, Peyton makes up for it. Peyton's just like, and you get you get Charles Barkley out there, and Barkley just again talking trash to Charles Barkley about playing golf is the definition of low hanging <laughs> fruit. Okay, yeah, he's. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy that he was – it's so funny and a great pick that he's doing color commentary and considering how bad his game was. Um, but I love it that uh, when right before Tom Holden is shot, Justin Thomas said to uh, Barkley, I think you made him mad, and then he, he shot it in there. So that was amazing. And um, I know there was also NASCAR on, but NASCAR has decided to do multiple races within a week, and I think they wanted to play catch-up, but I think – it sort of diluted the interest a little bit too. Do you buy that argument? I, I like I said, NASCAR's lost me, and again, there are no racers that there are no personalities. There really aren't. That's saying something. If you're willing to watch Korean baseball, but not NASCAR. Oh yeah, and Bundesliga. I'm you know, uh, Bordelista Dostman and uh, Bayern Munich uh, are entertaining teams to watch, and it's entertaining soccer. KBO, there are guys that even I have to stretch to remember. KBO baseball basically has one foreign ball player in the field and two foreigners pitching. And there's a local kid who pitches for NC Dinos uh, from Whiteville, North Carolina, played at ECU, Mike Wright, which I enjoyed watching. I mean, it's, again, I have it all in the background. I mean, it's not riveting. I'm not watching every at bat, but yeah. I mean, NASCAR just it, before it held no interest to me. And now when they went to all these templates of the cars looking the same, we talked about this last week, this is so boring. And 600 laps in rain delays, when you have a race that starts at 6 and does not finish to 1230, you're going to lose your audience. As much as I talk about baseball games getting longer and longer, races are getting longer. Right. Yeah. It's and, it's the definite as much as hockey gets ripped for over expansion mm-hmm. and extending out of their core audience, 
And there have been some course corrections with the, you know, with the Thrashers moving to Winnipeg. Uh, it's it's racing has just done the same thing. They just they left their core audience behind, and it shows in ratings. And it's fascinating. They had five million people watch the golf match yesterday. Well, transition to our last maybe topic before we do our our topics, our take of the day. Um, really promoted um, and probably pretty popular is Wayne the Ro- Dwayne the Rock Johnson's The Titan Games. It's returning for season two, and you know The Rock is probably one of the most popular things out there right now. I mean, he's done so many movies, um, and so he's a TV producer, right? He's trying to make money other ways, but this year instead of just random people who applied, he's putting some professional athletes in the mix to see how they do. So I'm going to give you a list of these professional athletes and which one, two of these athletes do you think will do well in the Titan games? If you ever watched the Titan games? No, I do not watch contrived going back to battle. Oh, it's beneath your dignity, huh? I did not real sport. You know, he was a professional athlete. He was a backup. He was Warren Sapp's backup at university of Miami and lasted about three weeks, I think, for the Calgary Stampeders of the CFL. Right. So, right, so no, I, I'm sorry. I don't want to be a sports snob, but go ahead. Let's see. All right. So let's these. quiz you on something. Well, you might. I'm going to talk about the athletes that these professional athletes. Some are still current. Uh, one of the professional athletes he's going to have compete against the other players is Clarissa Shields. She's the female boxer from Michigan. Um, she's like the heavyweight, so she's very in good shape. 25 years old, she won the Olympic gold. And the next one is Joe Thomas, who retired the Cleveland Browns offensive lineman. He's dropped about 50 or 60 pounds, hasn't he? He looks ripped. That's all I can tell you. I was going to say, he he was at 310 when he played for the Browns, and I think he lost a lot of weight when he got out for health reasons, but go and, ahead. And then Victor Cruz, the guy who used to play wide receiver for the giants. I mean, he's fast, but it, you know, at thir- 33, does he have the upper body strength? Can he uh, do the little cha-cha dance? I know that's what I'm waiting down? for to see. Uh, okay, okay. Um, and then some lady named Hannah Teeter, who I have no idea. Okay. She's a snowboarder. Uh, snowboarder. Yeah. Snowboard. I, I hate to say it where I know her from was the ESPN, uh, uh, annual issue uh, oh where they don't wear clothes yeah 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 uh ernest i'm not gonna edit that out i'm gonna leave that there all right and the next one i think really could make the biggest difference her name is jesse graff she's won the american ninja warrior i think this she's a stunt woman i think she can really uh do well in a show like this the next one is um tyron woodley who is a mixed martial artist and then there's a bodybuilder uh, and that's about it. So out of those people, do you think that Joe Thomas is going to do all right? He should, but it's kind of hard. To, I'm going to tell you a quick story about these types of events. They used <laughs> to be Battle of the uh, Athlete Stars. The, ABC did this. The Network the, Stars. But well, that, no, before that, they did athletes. Superstars. Oh, superstars. superstars. Now yeah, you superstars. you got to go to YouTube to see those. That's like 1976 well, or 75. And these, these guys were great athletes, and the guy who went it every year was – was Dwight Stones, who was a high jumper. But when you mix guys who are proficient at one sport and ask them to do something else, it doesn't work out too well. Because I always remember 
Joe Frazier almost drowning in the <laughs> 50 foot swim. Yeah. And I, and Cosell going, I'm afraid Joe Frazier is drowning in the pool <laughs> because he just could not swim. I mean, a great athlete. I mean, you look at the fights he had with Ali, but, but the physical stills we asked for, I mean, look at the problem Jordan had when he tried to play baseball. It's different muscle groups. It's different reactions. I mean, it's hard to be a, take specific athletic skills and, and translate it to some kind of, you know, uh, altogether, shall we say, confabulated uh, display of athletic skills for TV. For TV. Yeah, yeah for TV. Yeah, I mean, but... you know, but it's the track and field guys who really do real well in these things. This is why Dwight Stones would win every year and the baseball players and football players all did particularly i mean 40 yard dashes doesn't lead you up to some of this other stuff mm -hmm. it's it's kind of like uh, american ninja and what are they got tag don't the, the watt brothers have a tag game out now yeah i've seen it that looks really cool but man you have to be uh you know what do they call it? those guy parquet what well, not parquet the the where they jump parkour. parkour parkour you have to be able to jump and twist and turn but it's cool to watch on tv what is it about athletes with the you've got uh curry with stefan curry the putt -putt with the putt -putt golf yeah, yeah i'm not I mean, buying that are we really this starved for yes programming yes really yes history channel's still on right <laughs> that's I'm history asking. yeah it should be but i mean there's there's more entertainment than that I'm right, sorry. so what is the next sport you're looking most forward to seeing right now is it going to be baseball or is it and then Let's talk about hockey for a second, and then we'll get to our last take. Are you hockey's like going to go toward playoffs? I guess the short playoffs and end their season, right? Yeah, they're. It seems like they're getting everything together. They're going to play at four locations. It looks like Vancouver, St. Louis, Columbus, and I forgot the fourth. They're going to go to an expanded playoff. Um, some of the bottom teams won't get in. I know that my Hurricanes will face the Rangers. The Players Association has already agreed. The owners have already agreed. It's just the working out the logistics and it's the, the setting up the uh, the testing for staff and for players. I'm just going to get those logistics. They're done. the I easiest think, ones to wear a shield of all the pro sports. Think about oh it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, again, they're I think they're easier to isolate in that respect. I think we'll probably see hockey July 1st. I think we'll probably – I know tennis starts the 24th. Uh, e, the uh, Premier League is starting the 21st. Uh, Japanese baseball is starting the 14th. Mm -hmm. NBA, uh, and again, they're looking at expanded playoffs also. They're actually looking at everybody in the playoff. So probably giving the, the top 16 buys. Mm -hmm. NBA and they're looking at doing it at, at Walt Disney World, which logistically they've got three courts there and by World of Sports. And they've got the hotel rooms, which aren't being used right now. Mm -hmm. So getting the testing done is going to be the easiest. Do they deliver hard. pizza there? Uh, hopefully. Maybe, you know, they've got Disney kitchens there. They cook you. <laughs> I think NBA by mid-July, baseball still hung up on this money deal. And I think it's 50-50 for baseball. I think it's 50-50. We may not see baseball this year. And then we may see some contraction. Yeah. I think, uh, I, I, I think, I think seriously we could see some contraction. If they can't get past this 
strangely, the issue of reducing salaries because no gate revenues and in hockey, certainly gate revenues are more important than, than any of the other sports. They depend on them more than anything. And they're going away from them. Basketball, this hasn't even been a question, but I think like we talked last week, I think those commissioners have involved the players in in the solution and baseball has an adversarial relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm really afraid. I'm like I said, it's fifty fifty with baseball now. Yeah. Hockey and basketball, we're gonna see. I have no doubts. United we stand, divided we fall, and baseball is the most divided. No doubt. And I, and I think we'll see NFL. Uh, it may not be to mid-August, uh, but I think we'll see NFL, and I think we'll see college football by 1st of November. Well, Troy Vincent, who used to play for the Eagles, who now works for the NFL, made a comment that they're planning on having full stadiums, and then the guy says, what do you mean by full stadiums? Well, until the, the CDC or the government tells us we can't, that's what we're planning to do. <laughs> and I was thinking... Okay, man, you can play that game. I think you got to come up with some some scenarios sooner or, or later. I, I don't think you can look. I mean, there's a lot of conjecture. I just did it myself a month from now, but I think realistically, it's a week by week thing. I mean, there are things could change momentarily. I mean, there there are certain states that they didn't anticipate the rates continuing to go, and some that they thought would continue haven't. So nobody really knows. I know the plans are. I know. Base, I know football, basketball, and hockey have plans. Baseball doesn't have a plan right now. Right. So, so all but right. all things being equal, that's what I anticipate. So, Ernest, what's your plan for your final good two minutes here? Uh, fascinating that this Wednesday we will have our first American man flight in about 15 years. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the, they'll be going up to the uh, space station. Elon Musk is doing a privatized, I say privatized because they're using NASA personnel and a NASA launch site, SpaceX. Uh, so again, not Space Force, not Space Force, but SpaceX. <laughs> and it's, it's exciting uh, to the extent my sister works in this industry. And I know that uh, it, it's a, a private public partnership. So it'll be interesting to see, what happens coming when you say your sister works is she like a space engineer or a physicist or countdown specialist or what she is a uh, satellite specialist she was a specialist with the space station but they moved her over to the satellites and she has been there for roughly 25 years Mm. uh proud graduate of the master's degree from nc state we don't hold that occurring me and my brother are carolina fans we don't hold that against her (laughs) I'm a former employee of UNC Chapel Hill, so I don't hold that against her. Uh, we are immensely proud of, of what she does and how she works and, and what she's doing. And one quick thing real fast, like before my time runs out, uh, it seems like everybody's relaxing, like the coronavirus has gone away. And we see the testing rates. Of course, we don't know. till everyone's tested, we don't know what the rates are. But I do urge people and I've been in public settings where people are not keeping the six foot boundaries, people not wearing masks. And it's those kind of slip ups that would lead to a a second wave of this. So please be smart. Wear your mask in public. Keep your six feet distance. Uh, You know, people may call you sheep and they may make uh, 
disparaging noises, but remember this is the protection of yourself and for others. If you care about your others and you care about your family members, please take these precautions. It doesn't cost you anything to take these precautions, just a little extra time. So it's it's worth the wait. Yeah, I think there's a verse called Pride Goes Before the Fall. Um, we're not The virus is going to be with us for another two years before we have a vaccine. We're just going to have to live with it. And um, I agree with what you're saying there. Um, my guess my last minute or two here is to um, be really grateful for what you have. I think this week has taught me a lot about perspective. I mean, we didn't realize how much we were dependent on sports until we lost it. And uh, my hometown of Midland, Michigan, had two dams break in the heavy rains, and uh, a lot of people lost a lot of things. And, you know, I thought, oh, it's just another flood. We have them every year. And then when I saw that the dams broke, you know, I just realized, wait a second, uh, I shouldn't take lightly what's happening here. And I agree that we shouldn't take lightly what we already have. I think once in a while it's good to stop, uh, realize perspective and my wife and I often talk about a phrase that we heard that so many of us have first world problems I mean we have food we have water we have uh, entertainment we have all these things so when we complain about stuff or when I complain about it uh, later it sounds so hollow that my life is really good and uh, so count your blessings uh, look at some perspective and sports will return and Tiger does have a little bit of personality. How about if I throw that in there? A little bit. Can I interject one last thing? Yeah. Let's, let's remember this. The military right now is engaged in seven wars right now. Our country is involved in seven different locations, and we are providing military personnel at risk in seven locations around the world right now. And let's not forget them. Again, people are going to tell you, well, Memorial Day is for those that passed away. You know, the ability to remember the young men and women that are serving the military all over this globe for our country, for our freedoms, is not limited to November 11th every year. No. It is something that we remember every day, every waking moment. And again, because we don't, we get involved in the trivial of this world, the trivia, and sports can be the part of that trivia, we tend to forget that we're in seven military occasions. We still have military personnel in Lebanon. We still have military personnel in Iraq. We still have military personnel in Afghanistan. We have military personnel in Africa and in the Philippines. And again, that doesn't get the front page news, but those are your brothers and sisters and cousins and uncles that are risking their lives. And we need to remember that not only two days a year. When we put out a flag for two days, we are being trivial with their service. And we are. And so we're trying not to be two old men, but we see it from perspective. Be thankful. And thanks for listening to Pardon the Confusion. If you like what we're doing, send me an email. If you don't like what we're doing, send me an email. If you have an idea, send me an email. Do you get the idea? Send me an email. Send me an email at gobluearnold, G-O-B-L-U-E-A-R-N-O-L-D at gmail.com. And I'll actually read it and respond. And uh, we appreciate your support. And if you like what we're doing, go on uh, Apple Podcasts and uh, give us a review and give us some likes. So for Ernest Watts, this is Paul Arnold. Have a great night.